Did you know that you could get even longer interviews with some of the most successful creators? You can with How I Built It Pro. With How I Built It Pro, you get extended ad-free versions of every episode. We cover things like pricing memberships, how to make course creation even faster, building a creator business while also parenting, current events, and more. Plus, you'll get bonus episodes where I offer a behind-the-scenes look at what I'm working on, the revenue for my own creator business, experiments, and video demos of the tech I talk about on this show. You can join How I Built It Pro today for just 5 bucks a month or 50 bucks a year. Sign up over at howibuilt.it slash pro or use the link in your podcast app. We've been told for years that creating an ideal customer avatar is the best way to understand your audience. But the truth is, that's just guessing. I mean, how many times has your ideal customer avatar looked just like you? Do you know how to actually understand your customers? You should have customers. Talk to them, then write content for them. That's what Will Schultz recommends. And as a sales and marketing coach, he knows a thing or two. So for this episode, I want you to look for these nuggets of information from Will about having someone in-house to make your content, about taking content you've created for a specific client and generalizing it, and to not worry too much about giving things away for free. In How I Built It Pro, we talk about doing free events that lead to paid coaching and how to handle these free sessions. I found that super helpful because I'm doing that right now with my own podcasting business. So I hope you enjoy this episode. You can find all of the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 297. Thanks to the sponsors for this episode. Ahrefs, Paid Memberships Pro, and LearnDash. You'll hear about them later on. But for now, let's get to the intro and then the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast where you get free coaching calls from successful creators. Each week, you get actionable advice on how you can build a better content business to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. All right. Welcome, welcome to episode 297 of How I Built It. I'm really excited. It's 2023 as you listen to this, though, if I'm going to break the fourth wall immediately. Uh, It is 2022 as we record this. It's right uh, at the end of Cyber Week. I don't know what Cyber Week is. Does that start on... It feels like it starts in like... October now. But anyway, my guest is is Will Schultz. He's a sales and marketing coach. Will, how are you today? I'm well, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm excited to start the year off like this, uh, talking about how small businesses can use content to drive more sales and growth. I think it's um, a trap I definitely got stuck in, especially in like 2020. Um, when this thing happened and we had probably more time on our hands, was I was just pumping out content with no strategy. Um, And it was very clear from like newsletter signups, I was getting none um, or sales or anything. Uh, Just pumping out as much content as possible is not the right approach. Right. Um, And so I guess maybe the first thing that we can talk about here is what is the right approach to creating content for the purpose of sales and marketing? Uh, it's it's exceptionally tough for small businesses because, as as I'm sure you intimately know, there are a myriad of ways that you could go down the road of starting to dip your toes in marketing. I think we have more options now than ever. And the biggest mistake I see companies make is trusting someone outside of their organization to take hold of the ownership of marketing their company themselves, especially when they don't necessarily understand what the service provider is actually doing for them all of the time. And and then the second biggest mistake I see people make is doing a, l- a lot 
of little things, like dipping their toes in five or six different categories. Um, Talk to a lot of small businesses in the US and the UK that are finally taking the plunge to recognize that if they want to be strong in making sales and marketing content, they need to own it themselves. And not just dip their toes in it, but hire somebody that owns it for them. And so one of the the common conversations that I have day in and day out with companies that are right between that like one to three million dollars in revenue every every year is getting the confidence to hire somebody that owns it for their organization, hiring that first marketer, so to speak. And um, the way that I see companies get started with that doing it the right way is not by starting to make a blog or to think of this this website that they're going to have that's going to become this massive place that is going to be the central community for their space, uh, but instead get get exceptionally good at making sales content first that becomes marketing content after the fact. And what I mean by that is it's a heck of a lot easier to make a tool that you would use consistently within your sales process, something that you would send before your first meeting with someone that speaks to the specificity and like the timeliness of what that meeting is going to be. And then ask yourself after the fact, how do I take this informational value that now I'm using consistently and make it publicly available on my website? And that's so much easier than going and making a marketing blog. Fingers crossed it's going to get traffic and then figuring out, now how do I also use this in my sales process? If you hand a salesperson a blog, they'll have no idea how to take advantage of using the content. Uh, If you do it the other way, light bulbs go off. Wow. I, that is like so my, you're the first person, you know, I've been doing the show for like, this is the eighth year. Um, and you're the first person to, to position content creation this way. And I think it's so smart because, you know, you hear like Amy Porterfield talk about your ideal customer avatar. And that's an idea that I feel like is well known at this point. But, um, even when you make your ideal customer avatar, you're just kind of making it up, right? Oh yeah, my ideal customer is a guy in his 30s who maybe has a few kids who wants to make money with his podcast. I just described right. me. Like <laughs> <laughs> but if you're taking a concrete example, not even example, a concrete potential client or customer and you're you're making something for them. Um you don't need to like invent an ideal customer avatar. You ha- you now have someone who you feel is an ideal customer. Um I really, I really like that. I, I think it makes great sense. And in a previous life, I was a software developer. That's how we would develop software too. We wouldn't, well, some software developers will get mad at me for saying this, but the first <laughs> thing you want to do is solve the problem. And then you refactor and you generalize the code to make it, you know, pluggable in other places. But you shouldn't try to over-engineer at first. You should really make something concrete that you knows work, that you know works. That's exactly exactly right. And um, maybe to take that analogy back to sales and marketing, it's like when in doubt, when you're worried about potentially making something that would get caught in the land of marketing fluff or become a waste of time and sit on the shelf and collect dust, when in doubt, get more specific. Even if you get down to the point of, okay, I don't know what's going to be most valuable for me to make this week or this month when it comes to marketing content. Go th- look at your calendar. Like think of the meetings that you have coming up. Think of the person that you're going to be networking with in in one week or two weeks or a month from now, and go make the thing that's only for them. Because there's nothing more fun than getting so good at making content for such a specific audience that it literally throws them off when they're reading it because the, it they feel so much like you're only talking to them, and you would way rather have one piece of content that rings the bells of one or two people than the thing that gets lost in the noise of it all that doesn't resonate with anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And then those people become fans. You know, actually this morning I was listening to uh, the latest episode of Upgrade, uh, Upgrade 438, I think it is. I'll link to it in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash uh, 297. Um, but the host, Jason Snell, was talking about this piece of software that he loves. Uh, and he said, I feel like it was made for me and then it it turns out that the developer was using a lot of what Jason talked about in his workflows to build that app. Um, and now it's it's called Ferrite. It's an incredibly popular audio editor for iPad. Uh, 
Um, it's like maybe the only good one, right? Because like GarageBand is like a hot mess. Um, <laughs> and now Jason, who has a lot of influence, right, in the Apple space and the iPad space, uh, talks lovingly about that app because specific use cases uh, were in mind as that app was developed. And content's the same way, right? If, if your content... If if the person reading or listening, consuming your content feels like you are talking to them, they will immediately know, like, and trust you. Yeah, that's exactly right. And think about that as an evolved difference from, yeah, the archaic, like, buyer's personas to the point mm-hmm. that you were making 10 years ago. Everyone's sitting in a conference room, like, coming up with this ideal demographic and psychographic of who you want to go for. Update that to... Let's go make one thing for one person that happens to be an amazing evangelist to hundreds of thousands of other people. And all of a sudden, we're going to have real momentum. Yeah, for sure. And again, not to, not to keep making this point, but buyers, perso- you're, like, you're just guessing, right? It's like a business plan. Have you ever written a business plan? Yeah. Like, where will you be in 10 years? I don't freaking know. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, do you want to like sell your company? I want to, I'm not, I, I want to make a thing. Like, I want to make a thing and I want to make a business. That's what I want to do. And like, if there's a market for it in 10 years, great. And if, if there's not, I'll pivot, right? But it's just like, you're guessing at that point. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, buyer's personas are the same way. Um, and similarly, right? The, again, we're recording this. Um, I guess it's technically Giving Tuesday is what it's been called. Um, but... You know, in the WordPress space, at least, there are lots of websites that do these like mega Black Friday deals, right? Right. Deals guides, right? It's like, here's, I've compiled a list of every Black Friday deal for you. And there's like 350 of them. And it's basically like, it could just be called like, here's all the affiliate programs I'm a part of, right? Like, that's what that list is really called. Um, and I, you know, I tried doing it never with 350. I don't put that much effort into something like that. Um, but you know, like maybe a couple dozen and they've always performed terribly, right? Because that list is not going to show somebody, uh, who stumbled across this company for the first time, why they should buy. I'm, it's basically just like, I hope you click on my affiliate link first or last. However, you know, however it works based on the affiliate program. Um, whereas if you have content for ConvertKit is something I talk about all the time, right? Yeah. I would, I would want to start in like April, like making good content for ConvertKit because I know that my audience wants an easier way to build their email list and sell digital products. And I think ConvertKit is great for that. And then in November, I could say, Hey, by the way, you know how I've been telling you how great ConvertKit is? you can get like 30% off right now. Like that's exactly, like, And that'll do way better than me just like making a list of every affiliate program I'm a part of. Yeah, I've, I've seen and read one too many affiliate link stuffing articles yeah. in the last week of my life. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm, why would I, I don't know. So maybe that's just like a thorn in my side, but it, I've seen it happen too much and I've been burned by it in the past. It's just not a good content strategy. Like not, it's not good for your, for your own content. It's not a good use of your time. And I can't imagine it's making anybody a ton of money. Um, it's like a hope strategy. Um, now to climb off my soapbox here, right? You mentioned uh, the second biggest mistake um, is companies try to do a lot of little things, dipping their toes into five or six different categories. When you talk about Categories? Are you talking about like cat, like content types or platforms or both? Yeah, I, when I say that, I'm thinking most specifically about the categories of content that you're making. Like for content to become extremely valuable to the point that you just made, you can't just have the surface level version of a lot of little things. Like if you're a company that does multiple things and you know that people are educating themselves, trying to learn how to buy in that space online, rather than having like 20% of the buyer's journey, 20% of the information that someone needs to make a purchasing decision of all of your categories, it makes infinitely more sense for you to have 100% of one of those things wrapped up. 
And this is, again, one of those common mistakes that people make when they start making content is, I'm going to go do like one or two things in each of the categories of all of the things I want to be an expert in. And all of a sudden, they become like this potpourri of a little bit of expertise. But when someone's actually making, like when someone's going through their own buyer's journey, they don't need a lot of little things from, from one thing. And they don't care about the things that you're sort of an expert in elsewhere. This is when you have to bring yourself back to like, how do people actually buy nowadays? And only focus on the one person you want to go make an amazing buying experience for first. And, and then like drill down, like get as much information as you can to allow their buyer's journey to be able to happen online. Like go make eight, the, the 80% of the information that somebody needs to make the purchasing decision in one space before you do a lot of little things at once. Ah, I love that. And uh, again, it really resonates with me, right? Because before like May of last year, um, May 2022, I was doing that exact thing. I was like, oh, here's a little bit about WordPress. Here's a little bit about creating courses. Here's a little bit about podcasting. And in May, I was just like, you know what? I'm going all in on podcasting. A lot of people are already all in on online courses. I want to move out of the WordPress space. I think I can help the most people in the podcasting space. Um, and it was a bit of a long journey, right? Long, relatively speaking, on the internet. Um, but people, after about six months or so of only hitting podcast content, um, people only know me as a, a podcast person now. Like somebody said, oh, I love your podcast. And I was like, oh yeah, how I built it. It's been around for a, a while. I really love that show. They're like, what? What's how I built it? I was talking about your other, like your podcasting podcast. And that was like super rewarding for me. So totally. Um, yeah, like going, going deep. So let me ask you then, right? Because I know I, I can hear the listeners saying, when do I give too much away? Right. Because I think a lot of people are scared that if I tell you everything you need to do, if I take you through your whole journey, um, why would you buy from me? Right, like why? Why would you give me money if I'm giving it all away for free? Mm. There's a finer line, I would say, when you're in the information space than when you are in a product or service space. Um, but I challenge anybody that thinks there is too much free chicken in in their <laughs> space. Yeah, because ultimately we're all in the same business. We're all sitting there trying to earn the trust of the people that are ideal fit members, community members, like buyers. And so the way that you become different in a world that is making more content than ever is you completely surprise people with how much you trust your value by leaving as much of it on the table as you can. And to be clear, I I'm not talking about gated versus ungated content here, and I don't mm-hmm. want to go down the rabbit hole. There's times when it makes sense to have lead capturing opportunities and to make things for pro members. But in the same breath, like if you have the chops to give value to folks, you will make a raving fan for the rest of their lives when you clearly don't have a stake in the game on, I don't know, seeing them as a dollar amount or seeing them as right. something that becomes the snowball rolling down their hill. And that's when you become different to the, let's face it, hundreds of other options that folks have in any space to go get the exact same information from somebody else. The buyers have the power now, right? There, there yeah. are, at, it, at any time, they can hit the back button, go back to Google and go one option down. And they're learning roughly the same information from somebody else. So to be different is to find a way to build the most trust. Yeah, absolutely. I I almost look at it as like, here's everything that I did to get where I am, right? Here's Mm -hmm. how I've made this process repeatable. Why you should hire me or why you should buy my product is I will help you do that same thing, right? I've demonstrated as a podcaster and a podcast coach and producer that I understand the space enough to not just tell you, right? Like I read a, I read a tweet um, a while ago that was like, here's how you make a million dollars in 12 months. Sure. Build something that solves a problem, sell it to people, and then those people will sell it. And I was like, that, that is complete bull. <laughs> like, <laughs> because 
you are like, first of all, the guy who tweeted it doesn't even do that, right? Because he's constantly tweeting about how he can help people. But if it was that easy, everybody would do it, right? Um, so my approach is not like, here's exactly what you should do. It's here's what I've done. Here's what I know works. If you hire me, I will work with you and learn about you and give you actionable result-oriented advice. Not just like some generic prescription for that is like really rah-rah on Twitter, but won't work for most people. Yeah, exactly. You're talking about a couple things there too. That's like one of the the aspects of that is like, that's the power of the story is people starting to to almost root for the thing that you're very open about that you're not at this finished state yet. Yeah, You're just on your own journey and people can get behind that extremely, extremely easily. Um, I think the other aspect of that is <clears throat> our buyers, the world, your listeners are smarter than they've ever been. And it's not the 1960s anymore, right? I mean, it's not even the early 2000s. People can quickly identify the motives behind the, the noise out there. They know extremely easily what the intentions are of the people, what, what, where they get their buck. And I think oftentimes when, when people go down the marketing route, they forget how smart the world is now buying. Nobody wants to be sold to. Nobody wants the wool pulled over their eyes. Everybody just wants to learn how to buy or learn how to be better. And if you can address that to your ideal fit, again, you find your way out of the noise of not being this trusting source of information for them. Right. Yeah. And and that's really the thing, right? You don't want to be viewed as like a uh, a grifter or a snake oil salesman, right? Yes. Because, and it's really easy. It's really easy for people to figure that out now, right? Even like Tim Ferriss, like super well-loved. I never got on the four-hour. I didn't believe a word he wrote. Well, I didn't believe most of what he wrote in the four-hour work week. I'm like, this is all fanciful. Um, but like people got on his case a few years ago and people were like, Tim, how are you so productive? He's like, I meditate for two hours every morning. And everybody was exactly. like, wow, you don't have kids or any other obligations, yes. right? I wake up at 5.30 just so I can drink some coffee before my children wake up. Uh, I can't meditate for two hours. That's a terrible productivity tip. So um, you're right. It's, it's uh, People can definitely see through the BS a lot easier now. Um so I, I, I really love this. The other thing I want to really ask about here is um, platform, right? When you said people are dipping their toes into five or six different categories, I immediately thought, went to everyone saying, you got to be on TikTok now, right? I'm never going to, mm-hmm. I tried it. I'm never going to use it. Like, I just don't trust the platform, right? It's uh, from a, I guess, geopolitical standpoint. Um but I also don't think that's where my audience is, right? I don't sure. I don't know how many like Gen Zers are ready to hire a podcast coach. Um, so when it comes to platform, what's what's your approach f- for that? Like how do you choose the platform? Do you need to be on every platform? Yeah. <clears throat> this is a nuanced one because I think there's a different answer depending on who's asking the question. Um, but I'll say this. First and foremost, it's probably not the first work most folks should be doing is finding their brand awareness uh, location online. And that's just by nature of solving problems that are further down your your funnel, further down your buyer's process first. And this is oversimplified, but it's like, why would you want a website that converts more leads if you're not happy with how your, your sales process converts? Why would you yeah. punch, put a bunch of people into a, a broken thing? So fix that first and then work yourself backward. And then fix your website before you try to get more people onto your website. Make sure that you're happy with the conversion rate of the site itself. If those things are fixed, if you feel like you have this well-oiled machine of a process, is like all I got to do is get more people to my site and then everything else takes care of itself. When you're thinking about the platform that you have to own first, this is going to sound simple, but you have to be where your audience is. And I push people 
to once they find their fit between the the seven or eight big names out there right now, do one at a time extremely, extremely well. This is again in the, the toe dipping world, but I see people make a blog article on their website, the top five, blah, blah, blah. And then they they push that to as many places as they can. And they feel like they don't get any sort of traction on any of the platforms. And they're like banging their head against the wall being like, I've done this for, for six months now. I've done this for a year now. And I'm getting two or three likes from my aunt. <laughs> Where you want to go is find your space, become the owner of that space and go deep with that community in one place at one time. For me, it's LinkedIn. Uh, I think for, for many people, if you're, if you're a product first person, it's probably Instagram. Uh, and then the easy caveat after that would be TikTok is an easy yes and an easy second base for many of those product offering spots. Um, but B2B, I think it's pretty clean. You, The vast majority of B2B should be on LinkedIn, owning a community there, starting to create a following of raving fans that trust your thought leadership before you're doing anything else. Everything else is going to be kicking, kicking stones down the street with no snowball rolling. It'll be a waste of time. This episode is brought to you by Ahrefs, an all-in-one SEO tool set that gives you what you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. And now you can use their webmaster tools for free. Ahrefs has been instrumental as I try to get more traffic for podcast liftoff. Their webmaster tools are made for small website owners. Connect your website through Google Search Console and get your site audits, backlinks, and keywords data. If you create content, this is a must-have. Gain a following and increase traffic to your site for free. Sign up at ahrefs.com A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. This episode is brought to you by Paid Memberships Pro, the membership plugin for WordPress. I am so excited to have them as a sponsor because I actually use Paid Memberships Pro for my podcast liftoff playbook. I use it because it is the most customizable. I think it's extremely easy to use and it is feature rich. They also have integrations with everything, Zapier, ConvertKit, MailChimp, MailChimp, Stripe, PayPal, so much more. I'm a huge, huge fan of it. Uh, A couple of the features that they have, unlimited levels with flexible membership pricing, including non-recurring pricing, which I think a lot of membership plugins lack or don't do as well. Um, They have customizable reports, popular payment gateways, uh, premium add-ons, lots and lots of extensions. If you need a membership plugin for your WordPress site, I can't recommend Paid Memberships Pro enough because I use it for my site. So if you want to check out PM Pro and all it has to offer, you can head over to howibuilt.it slash PM Pro. That's howibuilt.it slash P-M-P-R-O. Check them out. Let them know I sent you. Thanks so much to Paid Memberships Pro for sponsoring this episode of How I Built It. This episode is brought to you by LearnDash. Look, I've been making courses for a long time. I've taught at the college level and I've created curriculums for several different organizations, including Udemy, Sessions College, and LinkedIn Learning. When I create my own courses, there's no better option than LearnDash. LearnDash combines cutting-edge e-learning tools with WordPress. They're trusted to power learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, and creators worldwide. What makes LearnDash so great is it was created by and is run by people who deeply understand online learning and adds features that are truly helpful for independent course creators. I love the user experience. And now you can import Vimeo and YouTube playlists and have a course created automatically in seconds. I trust LearnDash to run my courses and membership. 
and you should too. Learn more at howibuilt.it slash learn dash. I've started really putting um, effort into LinkedIn and it's, it's paying off, right? I've gained like 200 new followers in a couple of weeks, which is more than I could say for any Twitter thing. Right. Um, now, um, now, of course, when I'm posting on LinkedIn, right, uh, I do like the long form, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I'll do like a carousel, right? So like Twitter is the easy yes and there, right? Um, and I, again, I, I really... I slept on LinkedIn for a long time. I was just like, whatever, it's like a place to find a job. But it's really a place for thought leadership, people my age, I'm 37, my age or older, um, who, again, probably have a little extra spending money, um, who are willing to hire a coach or go into a cohort program. Um, so I think that's absolutely right. So I, I love what you said there, but right. The, the, the thing that you mentioned, why would you get a bunch of leads into a broken sales funnel is the right way to think about it. I think everybody thinks, well, I just got to get, I mean, I thought about this until like, again, like April of last year, right? Uh, I just need more email subscribers. Right. But I wasn't warming them up. I, you know, and I've, I've since learned a lot. Rob, have you heard of Rob and Kennedy? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So like I got their email, their email course. I took like the first lesson. I was like, well, this is all I need. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Where it's like, you have the welcome sequence and then you have like the soft sell and then you have like the, uh, they have a bunch of fun, cute names for it. But like, it's, you really want to push the value up front and then hit them with the sale, and then people are going to trust you, right? So now my my sales sequence is a lot smarter. I ask, hey, where are you in your podcast journey? And then I send them a, a sequence based on that, right? Because if you've pod faded, right, you probably don't want how to start a podcast. If you're looking to monetize, you definitely don't want how to start a podcast. But if you haven't started, I'm not going to tell you about like growth strategies, right? You're You're really worried about starting a podcast right now. Right. And then I have the the sale and then I put them into my weekly podcast tips, which is evergreen. Um, and like it takes them on a little journey. So I, I, getting that right is super important. Um, and like you got to experiment a little bit to figure it out. But if you're, if you're taking the approach that Will said here about looking at an actual potential customer or current customer and writing for them, I think you'll be in a lot in a lot better spot. I have a lot to think about with how I'm going to restructure my content now. Um, so I do want to, let's see, we've been talking for quite a bit at this point. Um, I do want to ask about getting started, right? Let's, let's say, um, uh, let's say we're talking to me in, in January, 2022, right? Where I didn't have, I had, maybe one or two podcast coaching clients, but I wasn't getting the leads I wanted. Um, how, how do I come up with content when I don't necessarily have that specific person to think about? Ooh, that's a great question. <clears throat> so this one's going to sting a little bit, but I think there are some, some prerequisites that folks need to drill down before they should invest the time or the money or both in starting to establish themselves as something online. And you need to know a couple of things before it makes sense to to do this. You need to know exactly what it is that you sell. And for small businesses, and we know this more than most, that that changes, that transforms pretty, uh, for some it's just incremental, For, for others it's drastic. And there's nothing that hurts more than thinking you know where your your niche is, what you sell, and focusing on that for six months, and then having to pivot and realizing you have all of this old content, all of this old work that all of a sudden becomes completely obsolete. Uh, the thing that's married to this is not only do you need to know what you sell, you need to know who you sell it to. Because if you go make content not knowing exactly who the audience is, 
it becomes very, very difficult to make something that's going to resonate with anybody or you're just going to get lucky. <laughs> yeah. And that's rare. So it hurts, but you need to find ways to refine that first before you, you, you feel like it's, it's time to go dive headfirst into cutting out a slice of the pie of the internet or of social media or of an industry that's going to become yours. Because it's going to be very easy to have to change that and then have all of this wasted rented space go, go sour for you. And how you do that looks different for every business, right? Like you have to talk to people, you have to, you have to sell things and have it blow up in your face. You have to go through all of the growing pains that small businesses do between year one and year three before they can say like, we're just now coming into our own. Now we know who we are. We know what our niche is. And, um, I don't think there's much of a secret sauce to being able to do that other than getting a base hit every day and having that conversation, selling that offering, seeing what works until you're, you're 80 or 90% of the way crystallized into who your business is and who it's for. Yeah. Um, well, really felt like you were talking to like April 2022. <laughs> um, because I didn't really know what I was selling. I didn't really understand my audience. That's, And I think this is really, I think a course creator's problem. We're not talking specifically about course creators, but like this is how I would approach course creation too. Oh, I know how to do something, so I'm going to make a course on it. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible way to make a course. I can tell you from experience, most of the courses I've made d- did poorly until I learned, oh, people want to know this and they trust me as an authority in this space. So this is the course I should make. Um, and so knowing exactly what you sell and who you sell it to, it does. It take, there's no shortcut for that, right? It takes time. Um, some of the best advice that I didn't take because I was like 22 and full of hubris uh, <laughs> was from um, a family friend of ours who I was getting ready to graduate college. And he said, look, Joe, I know you want to start your own business and that's great. Like it's, you, you have the ability to do that and you've done it all through high school and college. Mm-hmm. But the first thing you need to do after graduation is get a job in the area that you want to start your business because then you're going to learn what the industry standards are. You're going to meet people in your space. You're going to learn about your potential customers. And I was like, Man, I've been making websites since 14. I don't need all that. And uh, then at like 26, I got a job at uh, the University of Scranton in the IT department. And I was like, I needed, I just basically put myself like four years behind. (laughs) Um, Sure. So I think knowing and understanding, like that's just, it's not something that you can short circuit. Um, So I I really like what you said there. Now, I, I will say, I had Dickie Bush on the show last year and he said, if you don't know who to write to or what to write to, like write to yourself from two years ago. Um, Mm. I think that's good if you're making content in the niche you want to be in, um, which is the case for me. But like if you're, if you're not in a position to like dog food your own product, right? Um, Then that's, that's not the best advice. Then you actually have to talk to people who, who, uh, then you need to talk to people who you think would benefit from your product or service. Yeah. And from what I've seen, people, it's not the flashiest thing to go say, it's time to do that. Like, I think it's almost more exciting to wake up and be like, I'm going to open a new social media account for my business that I'm mm-hmm. running. Like those things feel sexier. They feel yeah. more, almost like fun, like more fun work. And this is the thing that I think a lot of small businesses get wrong is they, they, they start at the top and try and go down. And to the point I made earlier, like if you have a down, a a problem that's further downstream and a problem that's further upstream, you need to solve the one that's downstream more first, not just for the the logic of like, that's where you're pushing people, but also because you're going to learn so much more about who your company is and about who your customer is when you solve the thing that's closer to the money, that's closer to, the purchase and it's way less sexy of work oftentimes it's it's not the fun sit on your computer and tweak your homepage kind of stuff right. it's it's the stuff where you are like 
calling people or talking to existing clients or in the weeds learning much more about the actuality and not just the the perception of social media or the perception of the top end of your website. Um, I think that's a hard pill to swallow for people. I think it's a lot less fun. Um, but if I could, if I could beat the drum of one thing, it's, it's for small businesses to start at the bottom of their problems and work themselves out of those things. Because all of the lessons you'll learn in your sales process or in your customer delivery process will make sure that you have the bowling alley bumpers up for how to actually go do quote unquote marketing the right way. Because you just know who your customers are. You know who, what the sales process is, is talking about far more. Um, and that's, that's the pill that I have to help folks swallow when they're coming to me saying, I just need more leads. And I have to try and help them say, yes, and unfortunately, there's more here. There's more, there's more issues that you just need. Right, right. You're, yeah, you're, yes, you need more leads, but like, you're not going to get those leads if you don't know how to talk to the people you want to serve, right? It, it, what, what you said there reminds me of um, How I Met Your Mother, uh, the episode where Ted starts his architecture firm. Oh, yeah. And he spends like a week like picking out the company pen because he's afraid to pick up the phone and call potential clients. Exactly. Um, and that's like, that's really what it is, right? Uh, I saw a tweet yesterday that said like, nobody cares about your logo. They care about what, what you can do for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's very similar. Uh, you need a good foundation, right? The, the, the color of your door or your roof on your house doesn't matter if, if uh, the foundation of your house is made out of toothpicks, right? It's all going to crumble anyway. That's exactly right. And people that walk through that beautiful door are going to be pretty disappointed yeah. <laughs> at the interior of the house once they get inside. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and that's like, and that erodes trust, right? This is really what good content and good sales and marketing is about, like you said earlier. It's about trust. Um, and if, if people don't trust you, then you won't be able to help them. Right. Uh, I love that. This has been such a great conversation. Now, um, Will is a uh, sales and marketing coach. I think this is something uh, that... We're definitely going to touch on more, uh, Will, your approach in How I Built It Pro, um, which you can get for $5 a month or 50 bucks a year over at howibuilt.it slash pro. Um, that's ad-free extended episodes. But what I want to touch on here as like a little um, teaser, a little uh, appetizer for the, the pro show is something I feel um, happens a lot is someone does something once and then they think they can be a coach about it. Um, sure. And for a long time, I refused to give myself the moniker of coach because I'm I'm just doing my own thing over here. Like I don't, I can't coach people. And then uh, somebody who I deeply respect, who is a very good coach, um, said, "Joe, you're a teacher. You've been doing this for ten years." You've tried a bunch of things, you've failed, and you've been successful. You didn't just launch a podcast and get lucky. Like he's, you're, you can be a coach, and that's really what what helped it for me. So, uh, or what helped me understand, I should say. So, um, I guess when did you when did you realize that you could be a coach? That you're a coach. Uh, and what do you think the distinction is between like coach and consultant? I didn't set you up for any of these questions, but. Um, no, it's a great one. I, I th- yeah, I, and I think they're they're good to address, right? They're pretty subjective questions, so I'm I'm interested in your take. Yeah, um, I'm going to pivot it a little bit and say when when you're vetting a coach in your life, you, you need to look for someone that yes has experience, but also just has depth in one or two things. And so m- my journey on becoming a a coach for businesses that wanted to start to create content was not only coming from a sales world um, and being a salesperson myself, but being a sales process creator first and foremost. And I think that's so much better than the alternative of someone coming in, like working with a marketing agency to help blast them 
a, a bunch of blog content essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when you're finding the coach for what you need, you need to get really specific on what it is that you need, and find somebody that is going to go deep with you on one thing first. Um, the difference between a coach and a consultant in in my world, anyway, because this can get semantic, is everybody, no matter where they're at at their game, has a coach. Because you can always exercise and get better. You look at Tiger Woods. You look at LeBron James. You look at the titans of industry. You look at um, these CEOs that are are running billion dollar organizations need someone helping them exercise all of the things that they need to be exceptional at in their lives versus a consultant that I think comes in and helps to propose solution sets. So to to, to make this an analogy, I think a consultant is going to come in and show you your trade-offs of making decisions of which path you should be going down. And they're going to PowerPoint you to death, by the way. Uh, a coach is someone that's in the car with you, getting you better at driving yourself. Mm. Um, and one more analogy I'll share is like giving somebody a fish versus teaching them how to fish themselves. Yeah. I think can oftentimes be that, that fine line. And what a consultant is often doing is you're outsourcing a problem so that you get a solution from someone that doesn't have to go into your world yeah. and, and do it for you. A coach is sitting there asking the right questions, building themselves almost out of needing to be uh, in the room for you in the future to be able to solve those things yourself and arming you with a fishing rod to get better at it yourself. I love that. Um, and and you're right, right? Like um, a consultant, like you said, is going to give you, well, here's, Based on what we know and what we've seen, here's how you should do this thing, right? Um, but a coach is is like this objective voice who's with you, right? Who's saying like, um, I immediately think of Metallica. Um, Saint Anger was like the worst thing they've ever done, right? That album that came out in yes. 2003, it was terrible. Um and then they hired Rick Ross to produce their uh, their Death Magnetic album. Mm-hmm. And Rick, uh, I believe it was Rick Ross. Um, and all along the way, um, they would talk about writing a song or putting together a composition. And he would say, is this what you would have done on Ride the Lightning? Is this what you would have done on Ride the Lightning? Um, and then he'd be like, well, no. He's like, well, then you got to go back to the drawing board. And like having a coach, right? That's exactly what he's doing, right? A consultant would just be like, well, this is how like, this is what's popular in music today. Um, And Rick Ross is like, this is what Metallica fans want from you. Um, I I think that's such a great distinction. Um, And so I guess to kind of answer this overall question, like when are you, the listener, ready to be a coach? I think it's it's when you're ready to to help somebody get deep and solve a problem and really understand uh, how they can solve that problem, right? That's exactly right. You you become like a conduit for them, self discovering on their own yeah. for them um, becoming the self solution. And I almost think it's more difficult to. Um, the coach has to find their their niche. They have to know like the muscle group that they're great at training in. Mm-hmm. And then they have to get really good at showing people when it makes sense to work that muscle group themselves. Because I think 90% of the people that I end up talking to are just are not ready to work with any coach or or at least with me. I'm not the I'm not the muscle group that needs mm-hmm. flexing, so to speak. And so great coaches are those that really only can work with 1% of the population on the thing that they're exceptional at. Uh, asking the right, right questions around helping folks to um, work that muscle group for for themselves or for their business and become exceptional at it all on their own. So that one day the coach can ask their their client and say like, hey, if I wasn't in the room today, how different would this have gone? And they go, oh my gosh, 
Like, I'm self-sufficient here. Like, I'm capable. And then there's a silent high five and the coach just walks out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's like in baseball, right? You don't, you don't just have the manager. You have the, the bench coach, the hitting coach, the pitching coach. Right. Uh, you have the trainer in the back room, right? Like, so, yeah, there's, um, you got to figure out, right, the muscle group. I really like that. Um, well, this has been a great conversation. Like I said, in How I Built a Pro, we're going to talk even more about Will's approach to coaching um, and uh, these consulting sessions that he runs. But Will, I want to thank you um, for your time today. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, you got it, man. You have a great um, community of listeners here, a bunch of smart folks, and I appreciate what you're doing for them. Thank you. Uh, th- thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, if people want to learn more about you, uh, where can they go? I work for a company called Impact. We're a coaching and training company that helps organizations um, own their own sales and marketing, not have um, outside reliance on becoming the most trusted educators in their space. So you can go to impactplus.com and learn more about the work that we do. And if all else fails, sign up for some free chicken there and <laughs> check out a course. Love it. Love it. Uh, I will link to that and everything we talked about over in the uh, on the show notes, in the show notes, over at howibuilt.it slash 297. You'll also be able to become a pro member over there as well. I want to give a quick shout out to my friend, Jess Palmieri, who connected us. She also works at Impact. So thanks, Jess, for uh, being the conduit for this great conversation. Um, And Will, thanks so much for your time today. You got it, Joe. Have a great day, man. Thanks to everybody listening. Uh, I really appreciate you and your time. Thanks to this week's sponsors, Ahrefs, Paid Memberships Pro, and Learn Dash. If you want to learn more about them, you can find them over at the show notes. How I built that is slash 297. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.